There are 651 days until... Sorry. Until the 2024 presidential election. I don't know why I'm laughing. I think it's because it strikes terror to the core of my being. And for some bizarre reason, every week that number gets smaller. Time. It's a thing. Um, so, <laughs> welcome to today's Mary Trump show with the Nerd Avengers. Hi, Jen, Jen, and Dean. Hello. Hello, Mary. Hello. Um, Dean, I'm going to start with you because I know you need to leave a little early. And also, both you and Jen Ribbon have written pieces about the main topic of today, uh, oh. which is um, in part Ron DeSantis's attempt to uh, erase American history from the curricula of Florida public schools. Although, of course, it's a much broader agenda than that. <laughs> but that's that's sort of our jumping off point. But I actually want to start just to get your your all of your opinions on what's happening in Georgia. Uh, we know that today the judge in the case um, that Fannie Willis has been working on uh, about the potential election interference in the 2020 presidential election uh, is, is hearing whether or not to release the grand jury's findings. And I, I confess, I don't really know what that means <laughs> because um, what I want, what I want are indictments. So is, is this uh, going, Jen, uh, Tab, let's start with you on this issue. Um, where one, do you think he'll release the grand jury or at least parts of the grand jury findings to why wouldn't he like what would be the rationale for not and uh three do you think there are going to be indictments just quickly uh so i don't know the legal standard for this uh, against which a judge would be deciding but if i were to invent it it would be balancing the public's interest to know versus how it might damage a further investigation or criminal proceeding and um, I might, as a judge, not release it if I thought that um, it, it, an indictment was going to happen in the coming days or weeks. I might not okay. want that to be out there. That's what I think. Okay. Uh, yeah, because I'm just wondering, like, why don't they just indict these people? Um, hi, Waj. Uh, Dean, indictments, yes or no? There you know, should be. You know, well, I you know, should be. Yeah, there should be. The New York Times this morning, Maggie Haberman, which I hate to bring her name up, but in any event, How dare um, reported that if there's going to be charges, they're bracing for violence. And there's not going to be charges today, but they're actually bracing for violence in Georgia. And that's where we are in the big picture. We're in a society now where if you bring charges against Donald Trump, you have to prepare your forces for violence by Trumpers. How much? We don't know. But after yeah. January 6th, it's not overblown. So look, right. I don't know. I hope they don't release much of it. This was a a petition by media outlets, CNN and others, who wanted to say, hey, we want to see what's in it. This is an ongoing investigation, and there's no yep. indictments yet announced, which we know that. Right. I don't know why. It's, it's detrimental. And it's unfair to some of the defendants, in a way, potential right. defendants, to have their name out there, and they can't clear it because they may never get indicted. So I'm not, I don't care yeah. about Trump. I'm talking about the other people. So mm -hmm. I hope they don't release any of it. I hope we just find out indictments in the next few weeks. But I don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah, and Jen, and Jen, sorry, that's a that Jen Rubin. That's a good point. Like what we hear all the time about the DOJ is they can't 
say anything because they're bending over backwards to protect potential defendants. That's right. The people who will be opposing this um, do not include Donald Trump's lawyers who have made this big bravado that, of course, they're going to be cleared and there's no illegal uh, goings on. What? Here at Mar-a-Lago? Um, and here at, uh, you know, the offices of the state officials who he pressured to find just enough votes. Mm -hmm. um, shocking. Um, but it would be um, the other targets, as Dean said. These are people who have gotten a target letter, meaning they are a possible subject of the investigation. And maybe they decide not to indict. Maybe those people have struck deals. Um, many of those people uh, may have taken the Fifth Amendment, and um, they find it prejudicial in some ways to release that to the public. So we have an odd process here because this grand jury is not the grand jury that's actually going to issue the indictments. It's a two-step process here. There was this special grand jury to recommend that they go seek indictments. If they say that, or even if they don't, frankly, Fonnie Willis then has to go before a regular grand jury and get the actual indictment. So it's a little bit different than the normal process whereby the grand jury that investigates also indicts. Interesting. Um, Waj, as you can tell, uh, we're very briefly just catching up on, on what's happening in Georgia because of that hearing today in which the judge is going to decide whether or not to release uh, any parts of the grand jury, this grand jury's uh, report. Um, but mostly I'm just interested if uh, there are going to be indictments. So do you think there will? And uh, will Donald finally, finally, finally be held accountable for something? <laughs> Yeah, there, there's so many uh, investigations and cases that I jumped in in the middle. I'm like, which one are we talking about? And then I heard Fannie Willis. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, you know, I might be the cynic of the group. Like I've always said, uh, Donald Trump is a former Republican president. I don't think anything is going to happen to him. Uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, they have him dead to rights. Uh, I remember when I was talking to Adam Schiff last year at South by Southwest openly he said that we have the evidence, right? He was a former prosecutor and he said the one case where we have him dead to rights is Georgia, where you have the phone records of him literally yes. saying, give me the votes. We I heard mean, we the evidence. It is the evidence. It's like the smoking gun. Uh, and you have Brad Raffensperger, uh, the Secretary of State, who's a Republican who openly admitted it. And he also then implicated Lindsey Graham. Yep. And so the fact that it's been a year and there still haven't been indictments, uh, this was the one case where I felt like there would be indictments, but increasingly, I feel nothing's going to happen. I feel like Donald Trump, unfortunately, will get to fail up. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, because he's so special. Um, well, I, you know, I'm hoping that here we're dealing with the you go for the king, you best not miss. But who knows at this point? I'm just I, I just kind of want to know one way or the other so we can move on, you know, rend our garments and move on or something. But anyway, um Merrick, just a quick thing. Yeah, you know, sure. Callers to my show last night and weeks in the past, we've talked about will Trump be charged. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you the level of um, dissatisfaction with our whole justice system that they articulate way beyond Donald Trump. Like, why yeah. should I follow yeah. the law if this guy can give me crimes in front of us? It's not like some clandestine thing and we're not sure and maybe they got yeah. him on tape. We've seen January 6th. We know there was a coup. We know that January 6th committee recommended four criminal charges. We heard him. The best part of the tape that the tape with, with George's, he says, he literally said, I won this by hundreds of thousands of votes. He keeps going hundreds of thousands of votes. Yep. And he goes, just find me 11,780. Like, yeah. that's curious. So weird. Why would you want that number? Oh, so it's random. Like, and then he defends it. He said, it's the perfect call. 
there's no such thing as a perfect call. But in any event, that wasn't the perfect call. So, yeah. Well, he can charge, I don't know, but if he doesn't get charged for anything, it's going to chip away more at our, our criminal injustice system that I call it. It's going to make people believe in it less. And maybe that's the one reason Merrick Garland one day down the road charges Trump with something if he truly mm. is institutionalist. I don't know if he is, but if he truly is, I, you should consider about I'm going to disagree. I, oh, so go ahead, John. I wouldn't be highly surprised if he doesn't get charged, at least in this. Um, yeah. Funny Willis spent an awful lot of time in political capital, and um, she called in an awful lot of witnesses, including Mark Meadows. We don't know what he said, including Rudy Giuliani. So I think the issue is twofold. One, who gets named in addition to Trump? So, for example, do people like um, the lawyers back in Washington, D.C., who may not have touched ground in uh, Atlanta um, get charged? Um, and secondly, do they go for what they call a skinny uh, indictment or a big fat hunkin one? Yeah. Meaning the skinny one being kind of the easy ones, um, interference with a official duties or yes. um, even uh, procurement of uh, election fraud. The real biggie would be, for example, the RICO count under state law. Um, that would really be like a nice meaty, sure, juicy kind of thing that says essentially the Trump campaign was a criminal operation, which is actually a pretty good description of what it was. But yeah. um, I, I think those questions um, are yet to be determined. Um, I'd be shocked if uh, she didn't get a recommendation for an indictment and then didn't go ahead and get the indictment. Convicting is another issue, but an totally. indictment, yeah, I think that's we, coming. We just need an indictment. And, I, you know, two things. It was interesting to hear or to read that the grand jury was focusing on the fake elector scheme, which would lead us to a RICO. Um, and Dean, I disagree with you. If you're a prosecutor, it was the perfect phone call and it should translate into charges at the very least. Oh. But who knows? No, but Trump said it was the perfect phone. No, the, the Donald said it was the perfect phone call, not the prosecutor. No, no, so, I know. But right, I, I, right. But I mean, in some Multiverse. We live in the bizarro world. People come, Donald Trump commit yeah. crimes in front of us, and it's two years and 18 days since January 6th. He's not charged. And I know the date because I tweeted every day how many I days since January 6th. This is insane. Look at Brazil. Mm -hmm. They're already investigating Bolsonaro within a week. So, uh, Mary, can I'm I just sorry, say I'm there's not. breaking news that uh, uh, highly classified documents were apparently found at Mike Pence's home. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, it's over here. Also, I just found classified documents in my room, apparently. <laughs> oh, you know them. what? Wait, Everyone, I was going to say, though. I thought it was a bank statement, but I have. It's actually classified. There are no, there are no breaking news. Breaking news, there are no classified documents at my office here at the law school or at home or anywhere I, that I inhabit. How about you, Waj? Uh, I actually do. I have classified documents from high school. Uh, that I've been hiding. Uh, <laughs> and Who doesn't have classified? I got them on eBay. There are, anyone can get classified documents. You yeah. have them, the top secret. It's like Oprah. You get a classified you document. Get you get a everyone, classified, everyone gets classified documents. By the way, if Mike Pence does have these, this kind of goes to my suggestion that when a president or vice president leaves office, he's allowed to take his car keys and that's it. <laughs> exactly. Everything behind. Yeah. Then the National Archives goes through everything and returns to you what is not a presidential document and certainly not classified because this is crazy pants. I, um, what about yeah. By the way, Jennifer, this is why I said many months ago, this is why when an employee leaves at a big corporation, 
They give you a box yep. and you go. They should have done that to Donald in November. The, and no, right. They, sh- they should actually leave with oh. nothing and every, because they probably don't even have car keys because they can't drive for four to eight years. But yes, go. Everything else should be packed by somebody from the National Archives. This is absurd. Yeah. It gets to uh, part of it gets to what uh, David Rothkopf wrote about recently that the classification system is a nightmare and leads to these sorts of things where suddenly we had this very clear case in which Donald Trump broke the law, stole government documents, lied about it, obstructed the FBI, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And now we're like, well, hmm, are these, is, is Joe, what Joe Biden and Mike, are they the same thing? So the case against Donald gets diluted, at least in the public view. And it's a, it is a total nightmare, but I, I do want to move on. Um, because what go- what's going on in Florida is so troubling that two of us have already written about it, and some of the rest of us are going to be writing about it. But there's one quick thing we need to do first. Waj has an announcement, and uh, you don't look prepared to me because the thing that you should be holding up to the camera is behind you. Oh yes, look, look! I haven't even I haven't even opened the box. The box is right here. Oh look, we have an unboxing on the show today. The paperback, the paperback Yay! of my book. Congratulations! Uh, and go read it. Uh, Mary liked it. Jen liked it. My mom says it's pretty good, um, and uh, it's out today, and uh, it's at a cheap price. So if you can give it a purchase, you know it came out during the the latest variant of COVID last year, so which truncated the book tour. <laughs> uh, but I was much lucky, luckier than most, uh, and I got a lot of love and publicity. But it did it did hurt some of the the book sales. So if you can pick it up, yeah. it has had a really nice lovely word of mouth and book clubs are picking it up and Mary likes it. So thank you for letting me plug it. Well, both modest and, and, and a, a fake news. I didn't like it. I thought it was amazing. I didn't just, it wasn't just, Oh yeah, it's good. It's great. It is a great book. It is deeply felt. It's really funny. Not that that should surprise us. And it's so American, you know, it is an American story and um, it needs to be read everybody. So please go pick it up. Uh, you should say the name of it again. Say the title. Go back again. to where you came from and other helpful recommendations on how to become American. <laughs> Fabulous. Congratulations. Um, okay. Let's, let's go from the sublime to the horrifying, shall we? Yay. Whew. Um, okay. So we know that uh, presidents have been trying to create national standards for public education for a long time and particularly American history. Um, but the, the attempts have always failed. And in a way, though, um, there's sort of been this de facto nationalization because of the textbook industry. But states still do have a lot of power over what gets taught, how it gets taught, etc. And um, it's, it's really interesting. I was in, in doing some background. Uh, I saw that in 1994, somebody named Lynn Cheney uh, objected to um, the proposed history standards that took, you know, dozens of scholars years to come up with. Uh, And this is, she assailed the history standards as written, finding them too negative in their treatment of the United States, the West, and white males, sorry guys, and too uncritical in their embrace of multiculturalism and other themes of interest to the political left. So in other words, she's just talking about not liking being woke, which is what they're calling it now. And what's fascinating about what's happening is that DeSantis' own policies and actions 
highlight the existence of the systemic injustice against black Americans that Americans that he's constantly denying exist. So, uh, Dean, again, you need to leave early. So I want to start with you and your piece and help us like, sort of get a grip on, you know, why is this happening? Who's letting it happen? Why is it being allowed to happen? It's, and exactly what's at stake here? I wrote my article for the Herald of Publication called Substack. Perhaps people have heard of that. It's, it's very exclusive. So it I'm is. Kidding. Anyone could sign up. Everybody for it. I know the, uh, has one. <laughs> what I, and Jen wrote it for the Herald of the Washington Post, which is vastly more uh, impressive. The, my article was about the why. You know, Ron DeSantis graduated with honors from Yale and with honors from Harvard Law. Like maybe you can get an Ivy League school through contacts, but you can't graduate with honors from both schools. He's a very smart, coldly calculated person. So why do you do this? You do this to get the MAGA base, which I think from polling shows around 50 to 60 percent of the GOP base. And what do they want? They want white victimhood and they want you to protect whiteness. So banning teaching AP African-American history that they did, the, the Santa Florida Board of Education or, or Education Department, with not any explanation does that. You don't need an explanation. It's woke because it makes white people uncomfortable on the right. And you know, it's funny, I went and read the law, the anti-woke law that was passed. And one part of it is really fair. It talks about teaching black achievement. It actually says in writing, black achievement, it talks about civil rights, enslavement of black people. But then there's this big takeaway later in the law, which says that nothing can be taught that, quote, cause a student to feel discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any other form of psychological distress on account of his or her race. So what it does in one hand is say, here's what we can teach you, unless one person, or really one parent, Gets, is uncomfortable with teaching about race. So you ban this to make the GOP base happy. You mentioned Liz Cheney, uh, Lynn Cheney. I was looking today at back at polling to understand when this happened. I found an interesting poll in the Washington Post, actually. In 2000, of Republicans and Democrats, the same amount, almost zero, said in school they were teaching too much black history. Flash forward to 2018, over 40% of Republicans thought they were teaching too much black history, and Democrats with the same baseline of nothing. Another poll last year found 38% of Republicans said only 38% of Republicans supported teaching students about the ongoing effects of slavery in our society, like the wealth gap, that kind of stuff. So you've seen a movement of this GOP, the same as Democrats at one point, like, let's learn about black history. Now, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear about black people because 75% of Republicans believe discrimination against white people is just as bad, just as big a problem against black people. That's fueling. It's white victimhood and the preservation of white supremacy. And Ron DeSantis, far more dangerous than Donald Trump will ever be because he's far smarter and also younger. So yeah. that was sort of the, the focus of my article. So, Dean, I just I think you, you could easily argue that if you're teaching American history in such a way that you're making your white students uncomfortable, you're doing it wrong. Because, um, you know, to, to force oh children God. to own what people did a generation or 260 years ago seems like a bad idea if you're trying to if you're an educator what third graders going like i'm uncomfortable here could you just stop because this whole slavery thing is making me uncomfortable if discomfort was the standard to ban topics there wouldn't have been algebra i was horrible at math that's why i went to right. words there would have been no math in any school i would have went no, it's traumatizing dean is this has discomfort because of math because he can't add that that's would have right. been fine right but this is this is, Ron DeSantis in his inaugural speech a few weeks ago said, Florida's where wokeness goes to die. No, Florida's is where history goes to die and whitewashing yeah. thrives. That's what's going on. It is whitewashing 
to make the base happy, to make your kids dumber. I don't think there's any third or fourth grader uncomfortable learning the history of the school. You're curious. Your brain is empty. You want to learn things. You go home and you tell your parents. They talked about this thing called Jim Crow. They're like, uh-oh, don't talk to grandpa. You know, and it's like, right. what happened? Oh, grandpa was involved in enforcing Jim Crow. Or a family benefited from institutional racism in some ways. It's uncomfortable for them. And they're going to ban right. it to make kids dumber, to make them happier about being white. That's also, I don't think anybody is suggesting that you teach a bunch of eight-year-olds about the horrors of chattel slavery or the middle passage, right? But, you know, this whole, like, not being comfortable thing actually is an argument for starting to teach these things when kids are younger, when they don't, aren't, aren't even psychologically capable of recognizing racial difference, you know? So, there, so there's, no, um, there's no recognition that there's any difference among their peers based on skin color. So like, I think it's, you could argue that that's the perfect time to start teaching them about the not so great parts of our history, gently, of course, um, because then by the time they are old enough to take in the information, they're approaching it as, as a community, not as you know what I'm made white me uncomfortable? Wait, hang on one second. You know Jen, me... Jen Rubin so is waiting. And then uh, Jen Tab. By the way, I'm old enough to remember when Republicans used to be against letting the inmates run the prison. Remember, they didn't yeah. want to let students pick and choose what they were going to learn because there was a basic body of knowledge that was necessary to function. And so when students said, oh, I don't really want to take Western civilization, oh, no, students, children don't know anything. We cannot include their viewpoint. They are there to learn. They're ignorant. And that's why they're in school. And our job is the grown-ups is to teach them, not to be governed by the whims of ignorant little people. Um, that has now kind of been turned on its head. And whether it's ignorant little people or ignorant little parents, they want them to be running the institution. Yeah. And by the way, the University of Florida has a very prominent African-American studies department. This is the flagship university of the state. By the way, I haven't heard Ben Sass, Ben Sass, what do you think of all this? Crickets. Uh, he's the new president and uh, former senator. Uh, is he defending academic freedom? Is he telling the governor that his understanding of African-American studies is completely wrong? I think I, I know what I, I heard what he's doing. Uh, he's regretting his decision to take. This yes, exactly. Password. He's hiding under his desk. I think yeah. is where he is. <laughs> so. um, but worse than the decision itself was the explanations that he is giving. Number one, it has no academic value. Really? Yeah. It has no academic value to learn not only the accomplishments, but the adversity. It's part of our history. It's like saying there is no academic value in learning about American history. They're one and the same. There's no value in learning about facts. Yeah. Um, so that's disturbing. The second is that he made up some... BS excuse that, you know, look how stupid it is. They include queer theory, he says. I have no idea what he's talking about, and neither does he, because I guarantee you he has not read the curriculum for the, Af the AP African-American Studies. Third of all, 
this is not some crackpot organization. This is the College Board, which is about as benign and ponderous an organization as you can get. Those are the people who created all the tests that many non-white people object to as being biased, by the way. So this is not like some left-wing, you know, outfit out to indoctrinate Americans. Um, and to your point, Mary, this isn't teaching little kids. This is teaching the best and the brightest of high school kids, advanced placement for people who are going to college where they have African-American mm -hmm. studies and where there are really important studies and work being done. And by the way, how can you learn anything about economics, sociology, psychology, criminal justice? You can't learn anything about anything without understanding some basic facts about American society and history. I'll share a little anecdote, which I wrote about. I was in LA last week and um, we lived there for, you know, I don't want to say how long because I'm older um, now, but a very long time. Um, and I was educated in the public schools and went to a public university. I consider myself a fairly well-educated person. So I'm looking through things to do because we think we've done everything. And I discovered this fabulous thing in LA. And all you people should go on the Google machine and look it up. It's called the Great Wall of Los Angeles. And it is a half mile mural, gorgeously done, commissioned in 1974 by the Army Corps of Engineers to a magnificent woman who in turn got gang members, children, various community groups to contribute. And it is the most stunning visual portrayal from prehistoric times up to the modern era of California history. Wow. I will say, confession, there were at least a dozen people portrayed in that, who I had no idea who they were because I was never taught them. And I'm literally there with my phone looking these people up. Did you know this person did, you know, X, Y, and Z, prominent people who made major contributions to the state, to the city, to the country, never heard of them. And as I'm going along, I'm thinking, okay, I know in later life, I learned about the Zoot Suit Riots, major event in California history. Was this ever taught in the California schools? Nope. Nope. So rather than exclude um, African-American studies or Latino studies, we should make it mandatory for everyone. It's called rewriting our history so that these things are taught. The yeah. problem is not that these things are somehow distorting education. The problem is our education is distorted right now. And this right. is a small measure right. of compensation to try to inject some facts and some information that has been totally excluded from our history and our history books. So yeah. the notion that, and this is what the right does all the time, any effort at minor course correction to overcome this gigantic force of white nationalism and white supremacy is rejected as a horror scene. And they are now all victims because there's some minor little course correction. So yeah. it's a very telling episode from DeSantis and from the reaction about how these people think about American history and who they consider to be real Americans. Because if you're not a real American, well, then your history doesn't matter or you don't have a history. Yeah. And Oops, sorry, Sebastian, Sebastian is feeling ignored, apparently. Um, so, uh, okay, I'm a little distracted. So what I'll, the only thing I'll say is the, what 
Jen also mentions in her article is that before 1958, black black students could not attend uh, Florida's public universities. And that's within mm. a generation of everybody here today. That is not ancient history. So uh, the fact that um, they the right continues to resist educational policies that would at least help help us in part stop making the same mistakes uh, is is really troubling. Uh, Jen Tab, go ahead. And hi, Adam. Hello. Brian. You know, it's, what's, what's interesting here is that as someone who spends a lot of time in a classroom and uh, on the other side, both sides of the classroom, um, if you strip all the interesting stuff out of it, the kids aren't going to learn anything anyway. Um, right. So, and I think what's really would be too really interesting is to take a meta approach and actually have a kind of summit engage in. And by summit, I mean, it could be through mainstream media. It could actually be, um, you know, someone in the, you know, reasonable Republicans and Democrats and educators, regardless of their pol politics, to do this meta perspective to say, what does it mean to teach history? What are we actually debating about? If we put this in, what are we leaving out? And let people understand this is what a paragraph in a, in a, in a in boring textbook says if it excludes. And here's what you, we could be looking at if we're looking at this other way of presenting you know, the multiplicity, the different strands of history. And in having that discussion, instead of just taking positions, I think the American public could be educated themselves because I'm not sure that parents learned history all that well. I mean, even before this stuff was banned, you know, I don't think history in my high school was taught well at all. And I only learned history by reading biographies, by learning micro history, and only a little bit in college when I could look at primary documents. And so I just, I think that, you know, history is terribly boring the way it's taught. No student's going to learn it if you strip anything interesting out of it anyway. And we're going to have a bunch of ignoramuses voting in the future, which is, I think, what they want. Oh, yeah, don't we already I, have that? <laughs> yeah. Well, I got to go. Can I just say, yeah, good seeing everyone. Raj, congrats on the book. And just to add to something Jen said, I, I've in Paramus, where I went to school, they taught us about slavery. They never told us they were slaves in Paramus, where you could see it from the school. I learned that later in life. I learned New Jersey was a slave state of the North just three or four years ago. Literally, in where my school was, where they taught us slavery, within eyes, like you could see where there had been a plantation. We didn't know that. So, all right, guys. Thanks. Great seeing Incredible. you all. Take thanks, care, Dean. my friend. Hey, Dean. Very um, you, brother. But you know what? Yeah, I'm going to go to you. Uh, no, I go just ahead. want want to uh, add add to something that Jen said um, because it is it's not about being well educated; it's about being educated well. I went to an elite boarding school in uh, the Northeast, and American history, like it was considered um, a badge of honor to get through that class without failing. It was so hard. The teacher was such a hard ass. Um, and in terms of process, like one of the best, most challenging, demanding teachers I ever had. But like Jen, I had to learn a lot of the most important aspects of, of American history on my own because she kind of took the um, battle approach to American history. It was all about who fought where and like, ugh, who cares? Um, and when I was writing my last book, The Reckoning, I had to revisit a lot of American history and I was just mortified to realize how much I'd forgotten yeah. and realized that white Americans don't know what Juneteenth is. White Americans have never heard of the mass murder, the massacre of, 
I think over 300 black Americans in Tulsa, Oklahoma on Black Wall Street. So uh, watch these gaps have existed for a long time and they've been, I mean, I don't want to say unintentional necessarily, but not policy. It's just kind of the way it's happened when, you know, the white majority is in charge of things. But now DeSantis is taking it to another level. And it's like Florida's becoming a testing ground for what can happen in at least half of the rest of the country in terms of turning the clock back. He's saying the quiet part out loud. He's yeah. giving a name to the reality that's always existed. And I just wanted to personalize it a bit because as a, if you think these white students feel uncomfortable, imagine if you're a student of color. And exactly. I remember very clearly, you know, I've been lucky to have education like Jen, right? And oftentimes I was the token, the only brown person and the only Muslim kid in school. And I was the cultural ambassador of all my people. And I still remember, that's what, that's what happens. By the way, if you're yeah. a token... You have to be an expert on like all things brown and all things mm -hmm. Muslim. I had to give like 14 TED Talks on like <laughs> topics I was completely unqualified for. That's why you give so many TED Talks. No, yeah, I understand. Like okay. seriously, they're like, watch, talk about Iraq. I'm like, I'm Pakistani. They're like, whatever. Like, <laughs> sure. That's a true story, by the way. Uh, so when you're, when you're oftentimes the token and you're reading the history books and you don't see yourself in the books, you don't see yourself in the movies, you don't see yourself in the billboards, how does that make you feel? And now you know how it feels to be like a black person or a Latino person or a person of color or queer in America. Yep. You realize that you're not part of the story. Your story isn't valued. And at best, you will be a sidekick, a punchline, or most likely the villain. Right. And you, you realize your place. I always tell people in America, you know your place in the American hierarchy in school. Because school, and I've gone across America, and I've asked people this. Like, when was the first time you heard a racist comment and the average age for people of color is age five or six, right? When they come to school. And I remember when I went to school, it was, uh, we were, it was history in sixth grade and this was world history in sixth grade. I'll never forget. It was a bunch of like fake, like Roman mythical creatures, uh, Minotaur, like, you know, Zeus, Greek creatures. Then you fast forward to the European Renaissance then you fast forward uh, to um, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the, the England. Then you fast forward to America. That's it. <laughs> that's, world, that's world history. And if you think about it, what does that mean? That means oh, anything that good that happened was white. Yeah. And, and so this is how it's always been. That's what I want to tell people. The education system has been flawed, which is why, as Jen was saying, anytime people of color had tried to just fill in the gaps, that's all. Yep. It's like this is part of the American story. Native Americans were here, a slave trade, Tulsa massacre, Latinos, Muslims, each and every single time throughout U.S. history. And that's the point I really want to talk about. This is nothing new. You've seen white rage fight back. And specifically, I've said yep. this before on your show because people don't know. The, the, the battleground, the central battleground for the culture wars has always been schools. See, people think it's Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade came on the heels of desegregation. So 1954, just for people, just to connect the dots, 1954, Brown versus Board of Education, desegregate schools. That's when you see the rise of what is now this right-wing white nationalist MAGA movement that says, how dare you? There's no way we're going to actually have black kids come to our school. It's never going to happen. And you see the right wing with Christian nationalism that does not get talked about often say, we will do everything that we can to ensure that we have our private spaces. And so that led to the culture war and specifically Betsy DeVos, who is a multi-billionaire, most of her money 
has gone to eliminate public education and create charter schools. The reason for that is the following. They believe that they cannot win when it comes to schools because kids are exposed to mm-hmm. history, different people, diversity. So they want to get rid of public education because it's a zone of, now they use the word grooming. They also want to get rid of public education because teachers, part of the unions that actually vote for Democrats, you eliminate a public, uh, you, you, you limit a political threat. And the third thing is they want to privatize it. And so now in Florida, Ron DeSantis is like, well, I could just say the quiet parts out loud. Anything that is remotely threatening to white supremacy, I'll call wokeness. Don't say gay, attack librarians. They're attacking librarians. I wish people would talk about that more. Librarians are no longer responsible for the books that they put out for the public. They have to be vetted. Uh, Corporations can't talk about diversity. Uh, They're attacking schools, educators. They got rid of the AP African-American history. And I'm glad Jen said that because they said it has no merit. Imagine if you're a black kid listening to that. My people's history as an American has no merit. Well, my my people who built this country after, you know, the white people kind of created genocide. genocide. I mean, built the White House and built the White House. Right. Exactly. And and, uh, you know, watch to your point about backlash. We have to look no farther than two years ago when the 1619 project came out. Mm. I mean, this stuff is happening all the time. And uh, Adam, I want to Adam and then Brian, um, you know, we you have a you have a son in in school right now. I don't I don't know. I can't remember what grade is he middle school now. Eighth high school next year okay so you know this this is this has direct impact on people's day-to-day lives and and because of um you know when your kids get older school becomes more and more mysterious like when they're in elementary school like you know every second of every day what's going on by the time they get to ninth grade you don't know anything anymore so i can see how um some parents in, in Florida just kind of don't really know uh, what's happening. And as we said earlier, some of them are quite comfortable with uh, black history not being taught or American history not being taught properly. Uh, but one of the things that's sort of mind blowing, because I think this is a fundamental attack on democracy, Adam, is that dissent is still wanted a landslide. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's terrifying. Um, I live in a, a state, I guess, Commonwealth, where um, you know, we have a governor that is uh, similar to him. Um, but uh, I have to sort of look outside that because I've considered myself lucky in the sense that, you know, I always went to public schools and we have incredible public schools here. Um, and uh, uh, the quote unquote majority in other places was always the minority here. Minority yeah. was the majority. My high school had, I think, over 80 countries and students. Um, my son's middle school is incredibly diverse and, and public mm-hmm. as well. So, um I actually uh, find myself having to Google half of the things that he says and and learns at school, mostly from other people, not the teachers. The teachers are incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, two things, uh, sorry to stay on track, but uh, that I saw in the comment that I thought was sort of interesting is, you know, white privilege should almost be a class that is taught at this point. Um, and then someone mm-hmm. else talked about history being sort of it taught. It is, but and, they don't call it that. Yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> you know, uh, the history being taught in isolation as if nothing is connected to each other. Um, and, and we just have these silos. So it's, uh, it's terrifying in terms of, uh, the margin of victory that DeSantis was elected. in. I think part, part of it though, is, uh, 
goes back to a problem that we have as a as the Democratic Party from a national standpoint, which is um, this cycle more than ever. Uh, most of these outside or organizations um, didn't. They said early on they weren't going to play. You know, like Emily's List <clears throat> and others said they were not going to put money into Florida because they they're just writing it off. But also, it comes down to a number of resources and deciding you know where they can they can have the biggest impact. But I think we um, we've created a huge monster who hopefully uh, will will get somewhat injured or taken down uh, when he finally meets the national press. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, DeSantis plays on the national stage. And if he tries to, we have um, a malignant, narcissistic, egomaniac, megalomaniacal guy who will do every... <laughs> I'm sorry. Too many adjectives. We have who a guy that, who, who will... Who, I, who I don't remember. We, uh, we have another guy who's just a little more methodical and smarter. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. That's the danger is that he's less clownish and buffoonish. So people right. think but he's not but, as appealing. But that's not my point. It, the, the, I'm, beyond the appeal, what I'm, what I'm saying, uh, it just took, took too long to say it, is there's no way Donald is letting Ron DeSantis get traction. If Donald wants to be in the race and win, he will, he will destroy Ron DeSantis. Who knows what top secret documents he stole from the government are about Ron DeSantis. I mean, seriously, he said, he alluded to the fact that he has dirt on Ron DeSantis. Do we think for a second that he would not use it or make something up? He totally and, would. And one little so. thing really quickly. I mean, uh, it, it just, it, there was only one debate for the Florida governor's race. And, you know, Charlie's not necessarily the best debate in the world, but DeSantis was, was terrible. Um, so, I mean, I, yep. you know, I don't think it's going to be very difficult for Trump to destroy him. No, it won't. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm going to do my best, but Donald will probably also. And also, Adam has been consistently terrible on a national stage. Yeah, yeah he's, he he's, won't do well. I, I'm not worried about it. Hey, Wadge, I, I just want to tell you, it was five years old, and the word was Arab. And I went home, and I told it to my dad, and he and he said, who? He, <laughs> then, then the second one I heard was in the second day of class, it was camel jockey. And I thought since I lived in Louisville, Kentucky, that I was going to be a, at some point in time I could ride on a derby winner. But I didn't even understand those when they first came at me with them when I was younger. To your, um, to your point about desegregation, I lived through busing, forced integration, busing. Mm -hmm. The two largest riots in the country occurred in Boston and Louisville, Kentucky, where I was. They hung the uh, chief of police in effigy outside of Southern High School. And at the time... We were told that it would destroy our way of life. That, and we saw for the first time the K, first time I'd ever seen the KKK march anywhere, and it gave me goosebumps and made me fearful because my grandfather had marched with Dr. Martin Luther King and told me that the KKK would be the people outside of our doors burning crosses. And what I learned from desegregation is that it wasn't anywhere near what they thought it would be. The mixture, even forced, of races was a good thing. And by God, uh, I'm sorry, I don't often react to anyone in the comments, but Java Joe, I just want to react to you. There's always there's always cause for hope. And so I, I still have hope as of this day. But what we've seen over the last few years, I'm going to say I'm actually a bit of a Ron DeSantis fan because he's putting it out in the open so everybody can see it. And he's not hiding it. We need, we need to see who these people are to react to them. I'm glad it's out in the open because, by God, then we can react to it the way it should be reacted to. And finally, it, 
what what we're talking about today, I've lived with my whole life. And I've it, there were times when I was told I was a white guy. There was times I've told I wasn't. There were times I was told I was such a minority, my minority didn't even matter. In fact, there was a point in time when I had a, a, someone who wanted to represent me in this business as an agent and told me I should change my last name to Rodriguez. And I said, well, well why? I'm Lebanese. And, and he said, well, you need to be a minority. And I said, well, Lebanese is pretty minor. And <laughs> he goes, wrong minority. So even those who want to cure the problem don't understand the problem. And finally, I want to give a shout out to a high school that I went to and Diane Sawyer went to and Wes Unsel went to Seneca High School in Louisville, Kentucky, who taught us history right. And it, I even remember my teachers, Mrs. Collis, Mr. McCarthy, and those people taught us. I, I knew about Zoot Suit Riots. I knew about, the, uh, I knew about um, June 19th. All of these people took it upon themselves to teach us history, not just by the curriculum, by, but by tying things together and teaching us that there are a shared experience. History is a shared experience. We all know that time is short. And, and I went to a public school. I didn't go to a private school. We all know time is short and that you have to pick and choose what you teach. Most classes today are survey courses, and you can't teach all of world history or all of American history in one school year. But right. by God, you can certainly include everyone and, and the high points of everyone that, that participated in history. So I want to thank them for giving me that curiosity and telling me those stories that enabled me to further my education once I left. But the bottom line is, and Mary, you, you nailed it. The bottom line is, if we don't reform education in this country to be more like that, then we're doomed. And I'll, and I'll say as a final word, Kentucky, when I was growing up, if Jefferson County was taken out of Kentucky, we would have had one of the top 10 education systems in the country. Hmm. You put Jefferson County in with Kentucky, we were 48th. And, and Arkansas was, I think, 47th. And when Bill Clinton came along, him and my uncle worked on education reform legislation, and they both improved the states by one or two points. And that's what Clinton used when he ran on as president on improving education in Arkansas. So yeah, we're not the third worst oh. anymore. Yeah, we're well, not. This shows you how self-destructive white supremacy is like that example yeah. right there. Yes, right? exactly. And, so, and, and, and the problem is you, you look at these, at, at these people that are so discriminating and so racist. And if you break them, I have a wonderful friend of mine who, who okay. walks up to people and says, Hey, why do you hate me? You don't even know me. Yeah. Brian, I, that's, Exactly. And and they don't know. They can't answer the question. Perfect. And there there's a book. It was it came out. By the uh, way, it's very strange that Jews at one point were not white people. Yeah. And then we Italians got weren't. Irish people. Italians weren't. weren't. And, and by the way, it's also interesting, Brian, that they were integrating the schools. So for that purpose, you were white. So that was okay. Other yeah. people were coming in, right? So you know, well, this, white people were bused to predominantly uh, uh, African-American schools. African-American students were bused to predominantly white schools. Brown people. Well, it mostly went the second direction. But I, I, I just I kind of want to shift gears to a point you made, uh, Brian, because I think I think it's important uh, to see what's happening here happening. It, it's happening in other areas as well. And I think um, 
heading into 2024, we need to be be aware that, um, yeah, partially it's about, unfortunately, having to play to people's self-interest. Uh, there, a book came out in the 80s called The Impact of Racism on White Americans, and white Americans don't understand how deeply self-destructive uh, racism is. Um, personal, their own personal racism, societal racism, et cetera. Um, but, you know, Brian, you had said that um, it's good to have this out in the light. It's it's good to know what's going on. And, and Jen, um, I, you can say the same thing about what's happening with uh, the right to choose in this country. It's good to know how far they're willing to go. In the meantime, however, look at how many people are going to be harmed. Look at how many students are going to graduate from public high schools and public universities in Florida and not have the skills and the knowledge they need to succeed against their peers in other states where where students are educated properly. Well, that's how your thoroughly. uncle got elected. And, um, you know, by the same token, yeah, it's great to know what the Republican playbook is in terms of destroying people's lives by not allowing them access to health care uh, and making choices about very important choices about their life, Jen. But in the meantime... How many people are going to die? How many children are going to be born into families that can't afford to, to raise them properly or don't want them or what, whatever the case may be? How many careers get derailed or educations get derailed? So we kind of need a, a way to deal with this in the moment that gains some momentum leading up until 2024, because then I worry it just becomes like so, has so often happened in the last six, seven years. It just kind of gets folded in and becomes part of uh, what people consider the way things are done. Well, you don't want to sweep it under Wait, the carpet. Your name is. Uh, oh, you did change your name to Jen. No, sorry. I don't know right, which Jen you're Jen, talking I know. about. Sorry, I just realized that. Uh, Jen Tub. <laughs> so, as usual, I'm I'm searching. I listen. Was it me? Is it Jen Rubin? What's the question? Oh, for in God there. Sakes. But Get I have an it. answer. Okay. I also share my story because Wadge said it usually happens when you're six. When mm -hmm. I encountered racism, and when I was uh, six years old, I had this huge crush on this boy. I won't use his full name. His name was David. And I told his friend, which probably wasn't the wise idea, his friend Oliver, that I had a crush on him. And Oliver said, well, David's never going to like you. You're Jewish. So I was crushed because David wasn't going to like me. And I went home to tell my parents and I thought they were going to say something like, you've got great qualities, look at the smile, whatever, like you're likable, whatever. They said, what? And they started talking about the Holocaust, something I didn't fucking know about. So first of all, yeah, first of all, wow. boy doesn't like me crushing. Then I found out that my people had been like gassed in ovens and murdered. Right. And this is, you know, I realize now it wasn't that many years before that, because we're talking about like 1972 ish. Mm -hmm. And so we're, you know, think about how that wasn't that long ago. Um, less than 30, you know, what, well, less they, than 30 years. And what the point is, then they they're like, it turns out Oliver is German. His parents were immigrants from Germany. So then they had to call them up. And that's all this shit went down. And I'm like, I am never going to have a boyfriend. 
this is going to be anyway. But the real reality was it was very personal. Like you don't, I don't know if you, people, it's for, and then there's other encounters, but it's not, you actually don't see it as a political thing. You see it as I am flawed and I am not likable and I'm damaged and all this stuff, you know, and it's really, it's really, a, it's, it's awful. It's awful. And this is happening in schools, even if DeSantis doesn't want any of this to be there, it's happening. And it was never, you know, my, my school never discussed the Holocaust. Not a, yeah, you know, yeah, and or, I mean, sla- or slavery in the elementary school, and they should have. Thanks to my nerd Avengers for helping me uh, cl- get some clarity on these really difficult issues. Um, and uh, I hope I will see you all soon. So, Dino Badella, Brian Caram, Adam Park. Wait, Ray- wait, wait. C- 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 one thing I feel about Judy. I just kind of say one more thing, please, Judy. Please, Judy. I'm. Really sorry, and I just want you to know that I've launched a new podcast called Oh for God's Book Sake Talk with Jen Tom. Just be careful. And, she might she she might like give you one star reviews. And Judy, I would welcome your recommendations for books that you'd like to read about bullying or whatever have you. Happy to talk to you. <laughs> wow. Uh, maybe having a special <laughs> guest. You uh, killing Jesus. About podcasts. Most recent episode was about. Hamlet, Revenge, and Merrick Garland uh, with Linda Charnas. Uh, tune in. You can find it wherever you All listen right. to podcasts. And Thanks. Don't forget. <laughs> we can't do that every time. Uh, don't forget that uh, Waj's excellent book came out in paperback today. So hold it up again. Congrats, Waj. Well, that you can do that too, but hold the book up. Go back to where you came from. It's really it's an excellent read. So um check it out. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try this again. Dina oh. Badella, Brian Karam. <laughs> oh for God's sakes. Yeah, okay, let us you'll let us know when that comes out in paperback. Adam Parkamanko, Quaj <laughs> Ali, Jen Taub, Jen Rubin. Thanks guys so much uh for being here today. I uh, will see you soon. <laughs> uh and let's see what is today today's tuesday i'm having a very difficult time i think i have um covid induced temporal dislocation and i not i never had covid but just like age of covid has has created all sorts of weird problems with time um i'm sure some of you are experiencing that as well uh so we'll be back um thursday uh 7 p.m eastern 9 sorry other way around 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And Friday, our brand new episode, House of Horrors, uh, is at 12 noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. And my the nerds joining me this Friday are Dahlia Lithwick and Waj Ali. So that's going to be awesome. And, of course, we'll be back <clears throat> next Tuesday for another session of the nerds. I, m- I might give Jen Tab a timeout. I, I have decided. <laughs> Just kidding, but we'll have we'll have updates on on the whole kerfuffle. Uh, so to see the shows, please go to YouTube.com/slash/Politicon, uh, and while you're there, you can like the episode, you can leave a comment on the episode. If you didn't get to see it live, you can click on that bell, which will ensure that you um, get alerted every time a new episode drops. And of course, you can listen to the show in podcast form 
on Apple or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. And uh, again, we're, we're doing quick hits. I think we're, at the moment we've been putting them out on Wednesdays and Saturdays. So we're probably going to keep that up. And again, if you click on that bell, you'll get alerted to those short, short videos as well. And that does it for this episode of the Merry Trump show with the nerd Avengers. Thank you all so much for being here. Really, really appreciate it. Um, and uh, forgive me if I made the horrible mistake. Um, all right. So we will see you Thursday uh, or Friday and Friday, I should say. Uh, in the meantime, please stay safe and be kind. <laughs>